Namo etasa bhagavato varahato samasambuddhasa Namo etasa bhagavato varahato samasambuddhasa Namo etasa bhagavato varahato samasambuddhasa So our culture has um, decided that this is the month of love and coinciding with Valentine's Day it's um, highly productive for consumerism <laughs> and so I don't really um, feel very excited about supporting consumerism however I do feel um, the topic of love is a worthwhile one to consider. So I thought to reflect a little bit about different kinds of love and also different stories about love. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not as, as you might think. Maybe I'll start with the stories. You know, I was reading a children's book about um, things that dogs had done. And one of the stories was is that an elderly woman was placed in some kind of a retirement home. And I'm not quite sure what the circumstance was, but her family wasn't visiting her. And her system was shutting down. It's like she was on her way out. And one of the things that they had in this retirement home was they had these um, dogs that would come in for pet therapy. And so, you know, she was becoming less and less um, present. It's like she was, she was on her way out. And this little scruffy, totally unexciting dog jumped onto her lap. And she felt the warmth of its breath and its attention, its gaze was just focused on her and eventually, you know, she could she could open her eyes and notice that there was a dog there. And so every week that dog would come and it would jump on her lap. And slowly, it, it, you know, it pulled her out. So she started to, to come back into presence and capacity and she could feel the warmth, breath and she could see that this dog was just totally attending to her. And so after a number of weeks, she started to pull out more and more. So she started to, you know, to cuddle the dog and look forward to the visits of the dog and started to come alive again. And yeah, you know, it's just, we need, we need care. We need attention. We need the warmth of another living being. And, you know, at the end of the story, she said, you know, for a human being, if you have, um, you know, you can go without air for a couple minutes. You can go without water for a couple of days. 
you could go without food for a couple of weeks and you can go without human warmth for a couple of months and after that you die and that dog came just at that point where she was at the juncture where she was heading out and it just you know I just I find these stories just so so incredibly touching you know and then another story which has just moved me just so much it's a true story but I don't I don't remember where I first heard it I don't remember where it took place but a man was speaking in front of an assembly of developmentally delayed kids quite disabled children and his son also was you know very disabled so you know he starts his talk by saying you know I have often wondered where in the spectrum of the universe my son fits in and then he goes on to tell his story which is that you know, I can't remember how old he was, but they were at a park. And they walked by a playing field and the boys were playing baseball. The man, he says, you know, I, I, I don't know how my son fits into this universe, but he said, let me tell you a story. So he's telling how, you know, they're walking by this, by this baseball field and there's boys are playing baseball and his boy wants to play ball with the boys so the dad was in a dilemma you know what do you do you know so he thought what do you do you ask you know so he asked the pitcher um, if his son could play ball with the team and the pitcher was in a dilemma because you know how how, how long does it take kids to sort out that something's a little bit peculiar with somebody else, you know, a second, a half a second, a nanosecond, you know, they're just so sharp. So it was on the pitcher to make a decision that was going to affect the team, so he felt uncomfortable, but he said yes. So this little boy was out in the field, and he had a baseball mat, and he was, you know, running around, and he was just so deeply happy to play ball with the boys, and you know, he couldn't catch, he couldn't throw, but he was out there with the boys playing ball. So it came to be that it was time for, you know, it was the last inning. And somehow or another, and I don't know how, he ended up up to bat. And the game was tied and everyone was on the, the diamonds. And, and it, was the, it was the last inning. You know, it was like the last one and he was up to bat. So I don't know how it was that that was the case, but that was the situation. So here's this little fellow who, you know, holding the bat is a challenge, right? Being able to hit the ball is like, it's not, it's just not happening, you know? But he's up there at the baseball diamond and the pitcher moves in closer and lobs the baseball directly at the bat and it misses, which is no surprise. And then he does it again and it connects. And it rolls, you know, six inches and the pitcher runs up and catches the ball. And, 
and turns around and, and hurls it out into left field. And so everybody on his team say, drop the bat and run. Go that way, go that way, drop the bat, run that way, go that way. So, you know, he's all flustered and he doesn't know what to do, and he's, but he somehow figures it out, drops the bat, and he's moving in that direction. And then the other team are hollering at him and chasing him. So the guy in left field catches the ball and throws it out to right field. So there's all of a sudden a new game that's happening here, you know? And so both teams gather together to chase and to encourage this little fellow from one baseball diamond to the other until he hits a home run, okay? And the team wins, you know? He hit a home run, a grand slam. And it's like, you know, the dad is sitting and he's talking about this with the whole audience. And he says, you know, when I think about the way people respond to my son, then I understand the place in this universe that he fits in. And the thing that almost always makes me cry when I tell this story is that these were kids, you know? And in an instant, the game changed. And it wasn't about us and them. It's like it changed to a game where everybody won. Because that little fellow won. His dad won. Everybody on both sides of the team won. Everybody in that audience who heard that story won. And anyone who ever hears that story from here on to eternity wins in terms of understanding it was a totally different game. So, you know, we look at kindness, we look at love, we look at expressions of love, and, you know, Hallmark does not have a monopoly on, on the territory, you know in terms of what's possible in this world. It just does not, does not. So in our world, you know, love is experienced in different levels. You know, as, as children, we experience um, care from our parents and from anybody in our family who takes care of us. And that caring is um, of vital importance because without sufficient care, not only can we not live, but our, our whole brain function doesn't actually get wired up properly unless we have somebody to help us understand and organize what's going on inside of our worlds. So it's not only, you know, to make sure that we have enough to eat and that we're dry and that we're clean and that we have you know, medicines when we're sick, but it's to help us, you know, make sense out of the world when we are too little, we don't have that brain function, we don't have that capacity. And then as we get older and we're able to, um, you know, navigate more, you know, the, the kinds of, of, of when we have that confidence inside of ourselves, then we can navigate the world of differences with other people and 
you know, you can like somebody or not like somebody, but it's not devastating. And then as we um, get a little bit older still, then there's an interest in, in um, personal relationship with another person. So children also can have that sense of, you know, having a best friend or somebody who's just super special. And then we come into adolescence and our whole body chemistries change and, and the whole mechanism of attraction begins where it's not only best friend, but best friend and the possibility of sharing that in an intimate way with another person. And so, and that's where Hallmark goes to town, you know, is in anything to do with romance and, you know, stuff like that, as if that's the, the sum total of all of what love is about. And then there's the experience of, of um, transcendental love, where it isn't the love of another person, but it's an unconditional love that doesn't even have any requirement the person be any particular way. In fact, it doesn't even have to be a person. It can be just a feeling of love that can be generated without it having an object that it's landing onto. And so in our, you know, our human experience, one of the things that we navigate is, is, is that it's not as if we arrive at one state of love and that that's, that's the end of the journey. We're constantly weaving back and forth between different experiences of loving. And one of the things which is challenging as an adult and as a mature practitioner is that we can be have ex- experience of this transcendental love and then all of a sudden it shifts into a personal love and then all of a sudden it can shift into a pre-personal love and if we are not sophisticated and tracking what's happening in the present moment we can miss that and so we can grab hold of an idea about what kind of love it is that we're experiencing and miss the reality of what's happening and relate to it in a way that's not skillful, that's not helpful. And so for me, what genuine love has allowed me to do is to break free from the expectation that things be different than the way they are and to be completely responsive in the present moment to what is needed including to the times when I get stuck or confused or out of balance or need the nourishment as if I was a very young child myself. So this kind of radical loving has no boundaries on it and is utterly responsive and appropriate but doesn't fix it in any kind of a way. It's able to shift and to flow and to move with the different kinds of experiences that are part of what happens in life. And I think for people in a modern world, one of the places that we get stuck 
isn't bringing this quality of love to ourselves. We find it easier to focus on somebody else, but to actually allow this quality of care and love to touch here, for most modern people, is not at all easy. It's very challenging. And yet, to have that care, to have that feeling of friendship, a feeling of of really treasuring oneself, not in a way where it's a self-centered, narcissistic collapse, but in a sense of a deep appreciation for who this being is and what we have to offer in taking care, in order that we can be able to give and to serve other people, in order that we are able to practice, in order that we are able to be generous, is um, extraordinary expression of care, kindness, and of love. And so, you know, last night in the story when I was talking about how, you know, one of the things that's just been so tremendously supportive for me is just that to take all of the challenging experiences that I've had, release the resistance to them, stay with them until they fade away, and to recognize that when everything falls away, what's left is love. But the other side of that is, is that that love, that very same quality of love, pervades everything. Even the things that one is waiting until they fall away. So, I think I'm going to stop here. We can have a cup of tea and have a conversation. <laughs>